My name's Tracy Smith. I was born and raised in Kalamazoo, Michigan. In 1998, I attended the South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. And at a promotional side event at a local coffee house, I saw a showcase featuring some of the most talented performance poets in the country. Afterwards, I returned home and founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. Now, almost 25 years later, for the sake of history, for the sake of nostalgia, and for some of the incredibly talented people we've lost along the way, I give you, dear listener, the Keizu Poetry Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment. I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. And the place of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reasons that we sing. Okay, here we are. You are about to listen to the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam finals from the year 2000. Almost 23 years ago. So if I had knocked somebody up at the after party, that kid would be old enough to drink, have their own podcast, and OnlyFans site by now. Fuck, I'm old. So after the semifinals, the scores are set to zero... The poets are allowed to repeat one poem that they did during the semifinals. I think that was the rules, anyway. There are two rounds, and the top four poets get to go to the National Poetry Slam. Okay, let's go then. Another dead rock star poem, this one goes out to Josh. Leader of Men for Ian Curtis, 1956 to 1980. In all the photographs, your eyes are pale and pupilless and look too big for your head, your head likewise for body. Because you're dead, we read into that frail frame the ardor of a Bonaparte, a Fuhrer, the desire to stand out, to be looked at. But art, and not the state, took you in hand and crushed you. The grim fame you've masked, not of a demagogue, but a scapegoat. On the first tour, the skinheads wearing National Front t-shirts turned out. Who is this cunt? They muttered at you, catching the hint. Something not altogether pure in the way you brought the microphone up to your lips. The way the crowd did not clap or stomp or bawled, but stared. The way you stared back, eyes wide open to any suggestion. How hard they were to penetrate. Their shut bodies, stiff fabric, asphyxiate leather of laced up black jack. A uniform, aggressive gray, gunmetal, Prussian, mole, charcoal, zip, snapped, hooked, button, knee to throat, faces the only spots of skin left open, extras in a war movie whose maker can't decide which is more victim, whose soundtrack is your thick voice, the epileptic's rapture swallowing his tongue, mouth a sad black hole, and the young bodies kept from each other, kept from touching, kept from falling in. <laughs> All right. Judges, what do you think of that? Write it in write it big numbers. Hold them up, judges. And, and just and keep them up, please, until I, I, I say so. Write them down. Hold them up. Okay. Okay. Three, four. Okay. There should be one more. One. Okay. We've got a nine. And a 9.6. And a 9.5 and a 9.7. I'm sorry. You got to write darker than that. You're way in the back of the room. What is it? 7.5. That's where you're supposed to boo because that's the low judge. And then you see, let's practice this now. She was the low judge. Okay, boo. And then. The high judge, you're supposed to. Ten. We got a ten. Okay, you can put your. Do- okay, thank you, judges. Do we have a score? You paying it? Are we? Uh, two minutes. Um, whatever. It was under three minutes. Twenty-eight point one. That's how it goes. Noah Derman. 
Is that, did I pronounce that right? Noah Derman. You've lost your credit card. We're going to Rio. Okay. I made the poet's draw earlier this evening, and this guy drew first. Get up for Chris. held something so wonderful you just couldn't let it go. Like those moments from childhood you've got locked in your memory or that rock that you keep from the first time you went mountain climbing. You see, these are the things we hold close when there's little else. But before I held you, I didn't understand them. Or like those old, overplayed 80s tunes that never made sense. Now they seem to sing of you and like them I long to hear your breath in my ear played, played over and over again. Because you make the mathematics easy. You see, before you I was a quarter me, and without you I am half me, but with you I am complete. And I am packaged, wrapped, and sent straight to ecstasy every time you are close to me by the unmistakable rhythms of our synchronized heartbeat. And there are moments when I am with you and the clocks forget to tick, and the laws of nature are suspended in our embrace. Your face holds the answers to eternity. Your hands press clear to the center of me, and oceans of emotion bust the floodgates of my mind, and I am drowned in you because you are the other wonder of the world. The one they keep secret because everyone would want to know you. And that means they keep me from you. And I want those moments to tell you my secrets to find that force that is formed between reality and dream, that space between our eyes that are charged by tender particles. And in the face of finding how wonderful we are, we form the sweet nature of the future and the reason that we sing. And there are moments at 4 a.m. when I just want to hear your voice, but I can't. So I put on that shirt from the first time we danced, and I am wrapped in you. And I swirl and sway and paint the room with my heat, and I remember. And I replace Tori Amos with that folk song we share, and all of a sudden you are there and we are gone, screaming past the satellites. And just before falling, I lay a kiss at the edge of sleeping and hope that it finds you in your dreams. And I want you to know that I don't want to be perfect, I just want to be yours for a moment or an hour, but I would rather have forever because you and I are water and we are pouring from a sky that endlessly celebrates rain. And I meant it when I told you that if I ever hurt you, I won't mean to, and if I do, I will die, or at least I will want to because you have me. Do with me what you will. If you want patience, I will wait for you, and if you want music, I will play for you, and if you want to travel, I will go with you, and if you don't want me to, I will stay, and if you want a cold explosion, I will blow the night hollow, and if you want motion, I will move a mountain, and if you want surrender, I will yield my body to your passion because we are everything exponentially. <laughs> Judges, hold them up. We're off to a pretty good start. Okay, we've got a, a 9.5 and a 9.1 and a 9 and a 9.9 and a 10. Two minutes, 33 seconds. Twenty-eight point five for Chris. So you're glad you came, right? Cool. Okay. Next up is Dan. Speaking of dead rock stars. <clears throat> it's all part 
of my rock and roll fantasy. I am air guitar strumming, Pat Benatar quaking, hit me with your best shot. I am Sister Christian Power Chords, motoring. I am sis screaming, solos twisted, Sister Four Chord Anarchy, we're not gonna take it. I am air guitar in the blink of an eye on stage in front of a sea of screaming fans, the spotlight falls and there I am, guitar in hand, tight leather pants, thick matted hair. I am Jimi Hendrix tripping out and ripping licks. I am Night Ranger. I am Axel, baby, using my illusion, baby, living on the rhythm, baby. I am fly on jukebox hero. I am the golden hand fender strat, two-band madman, swinging my arm around the world and rocking out like, like, like Lyle, love it. I'm Eddie Van Halen on stage wailing, hammering on. I got it bad, got it bad, got it bad. I am Air Guitar, the whacked out, drug crazed, suicidal superstar, going wild, smashing guitars, living and dying in dingy blues bars. I am Motley Crue, just a smoking in the boys' room. Assume the position, one arm out, caressing the neck, one arm in, cutting the cords. Imagine the sound, the piercing distortion, the electric hum. Instead of feedback, I am Air Guitar, cutting through the smoke of cigarettes, the stench of beer and bourbon, one long high note, stretching, reaching up and up. If your voice cracks, don't panic. Hit the whammy bar and watch it whine. I am air guitar, the siren wailing out of control. I am the ultimate rock and roll hair band pop stain. I am rat going round and around. I am Aerosmith. I am the five-man electric band. I am radar love. I am rock and roll, hard rock, pop rock, heavy metal. I am 666, the number of the beast, and I'm creeping death. I am hardcore, low-down, greasy speed metal, but I am not Fred Bear. I am air guitar, like the edge, like Slash, hiding behind my long frizzy bangs. I am but one of Alice Cooper's illegitimate children. I am, ooh, Barracuda. I am Chuck Berry, sleight of hand, moving faster than most men masturbate, fingers bleeding, crawling, calling. I am air guitar, a bright white shooting star. I am air guitar. Judges, get them ready. Hold them up. I give you the time. I'm gonna give you the time before the scores, because that might be quicker. It's not. Okay. Well, what the hell? I tried. We've got a uh, 9.4 and a 9.6 and a 9.7 and a 9.7 and a 10. Two minutes and seven seconds for the guy who can't get enough numbers. 29.0 for Dan Stevens. Up next. Todd. I want to stand up on stage wearing nothing but black. I want to be enormous. I want girls to tremble and men to tremble. I want to be a superstar poet. I want a voice that booms to fill the room, a voice that reaches into hearts and reverberates souls like the bass of gods. I want a voice that causes involuntary wetness and shining eyes, and I want eyes that burn through clothing. I want to see each individual person and I want x-ray vision. I want words that mean more than their definitions, words that sum up the universe in a phrase, words that tell each listener they are meant for her alone. I want to be a superstar poet. I want to win the Nobel Prize in literature, have sex with a stewardess on my way to Stockholm right there in first class. I want to sign autographs on the naked backs of young Swedish girls, and I want all my drugs for free. I want teenage groupies lying in the streets of Kalamazoo just waiting for a glimpse of me as I drive by. I want sold-out concerts in Wembley Stadium, and I want an expressway named after me. I want to be a superstar poet. Well, we all have dreams now, don't we? I can't wear black. Black makes my ass look huge. I'm not a superstar poet. I'm barely an adequate rambler. My voice is weak and reedy. My eyes too deeply set to shine, and everyone looks the same to me. 
Stewardesses avoid my eyes. I'm lucky to see my own wife naked. And the closest I'll ever come to Sweden are those glossy magazines I hide beneath my mattress. <laughs> Superstar poets, can you even hear me? In the end, when the stage is empty, save me. And the bartender is left sweeping away my super starlit sky. Can you even see me? Can you even see the superstar poets in me? Judges, hold them up. Okay. Okay. We've got a 9.2 and a 9.4. And you guys are awful quiet. A 9.8. That's more like it. And a 9.5 and a 9.8. Yeah! Time was two minutes and seven seconds. 28.7 for Todd. Give it up for him. All righty. We're up to number four. Number four is Greg. A broken little sister on the verge of a dirge death, communal threat, slides into her liquid streaming like a death in Vegas. And she's a showgirl murderer looking for a networking opportunity, caressing her body like a porn star, tapping her sweet rose flesh like the spinning tines of a telegraph machine, the Morse code thumping her receptive epidermis, morphing, swirling laughter over her forehead, pumping the beat into her cervix, melting into binary sensory overload, zero one, one zero. Zero one, one zero. Then she has a dream. She's dancing on DJ Spooky's turntable, conceptual variations evolving and remixing through her black oiled filled eyes. And she was searching for an acid Jesus to torque her frontal lobe, gliding toward peace, love, and unity. Underworld born slippy. The sacrilege packed water tight in a can, waiting for her to jig, amble, and lisp toward her God within, speaking in tongues and embracing the life force of the universe. Elevate me, alter my state, praise me, worship me, adore me me, her nerves spinning out like severed tendons carrying her away. I bless the day I met you. She dreams into my club deaf ears, kissing in a voice an angel would be proud of, then later from behind, folding her hips into mine. Of all the men I've known, you are the blessed. And she is past life, cruising for a new vehicle to carry her beyond Zen. She is rancid and marked, the star-studded featured paranoid of the event. She is ultra-obscene, super-cooled, mega-sized, and retrofitted for speed, for desire, for unimaginable bliss. She is late-morning anti-everything that pours from out this animal machine, and she will consume everyone in her line of vision because loneliness can't kill her in a sea of shining faces. She's a control freak waiting for her head to explode. She's a sex change in a trailer park, in a call girl in a confessional booth, and there is nothing you can hide from her because life is the enemy. She is the enemy, and she is pounding at the gate, and we were all chained together like terminal Samsons waiting for the temple to fall. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. But do you remember the happy birthday party favor world that suddenly disappeared, leaving us stranded at the cement center of a replicate subdivision, purchasing red, white, and blue bombsicles, searching for the subdivision's edge, hoping that the trick candles and smoke would someday return, growing old with the ice cream man, counting the years, the months, the days. Zero one, one zero, zero one. One zero, swirling tom-tom synthetic strumming, pouring white corpuscle numbing happiness into her menthol, masculated lungs. I bless the day I met you. I bless the day 
And if she sold her soul for a flask of ecstasy to embrace the meaning of life, perhaps she is finding that it has been waiting all this time in her beautiful body and mind. Okay, judges. Okay, judges. We've got a nine. Oh, you like that? You're going to love this. We got an eight. We've got a 9.9 .9 and a 9.6. And a 10. Time was three minutes and 12 seconds. 28.0 for Greg. Give it up for him. So those fascist bastards at nationals that make us keep time. Next up. Are you ready? Are you ready? Julian. This is the freak show. And the ringmaster descends into the crowd of drunks and anorexic apple girls in overalls. Harry's Harbor Bazaar is proud to present, under the big top tonight, human oddities. He growls in a voice crippled by moonshine and hand-rolled cigarettes. And the boy, with, with, with grace and angel with envy, walks to the center stage. Between Zoltar the Magnificent and Jacob the Dog-Faced Boy, he slowly pushes the microphone aside and takes off his shirt, showing off with great narcissistic juvenile pride his one, two, three, four chest hairs. And the crowd makes a few lurid comments in disgust, open-jawed at the scar tracing his left breast, the Slayer tattoo perforated perfectly above his navel. After all, he was just a boy, a freak, but a boy nonetheless. And so he stands on a chair, balances on one foot, does a few acrobatic moves with reasonable grace, but that's not what he wanted. He wanted to stand up on two feet. He wanted to show them, show those belligerent, dilapidated, love me, love me, fuck me bastards, that he was human, that he had seen the freak in every goddamn person, and it was a hell of a lot scarier than himself. But instead, he decides to ride this dream of homemade liquor and dark-eyed women to the sandy shores of the West Coast. And while no Korean circus performer could keep the crowd amused, finally he reached above, removing the single light bulb from its dangling socket. He showed it to the left and to the right and placed it on the table in front of him. He browsed the audience, licking his finger. He reached, stretching into the heavens. He threw it into the socket. It was a sparkomatic moment, his frontal lobes pressing against his forehead, tiny soul clusters popping with deep pressures of space, and his skeleton becoming fluorescent for milliseconds, just like on the cartoons. And for one brief moment, for one brief moment, before electrodes flowing sent his soul into purgatory's damp atmosphere, one woman swore she heard him cry out, I'm a poet! Not a freak! And then the room went totally dark. And what happens next, we have no idea. The lights went out. The picture faded. The transmission stopped. And so this poem hangs like the single socket protruding from the heavens, animated only by possibility. Okay. How are you doing, judges? You're doing a great job. Might not be a popular job, 
might not pay anything, but you're good at it. Hey, we've got a nine. Uh, that was a weak ass boo. If you're gonna boo somebody, we got a nine point four. We've got a nine point eight. We've got a nine point six, and we've got a nine point nine. Time was two minutes and 48 seconds. 28.8 for Julian. Okay, okay, okay. Next poet up, Carrie. I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself, and in so doing, relieve you of a stereotype that you might be lugging around with you. See, I wear my soul on my skin. Got four more where this came from. Find fate the fanned out cards of a tarot deck and howl to the moon. I'm a sharp shot with the 22 rifle. Like to chase down Crown Royal with a honey brown and make old men wish for younger days when I take to the dance floor in a smoky blues bar. I spend my weekends with a horse named Hawk. My legs wrapped around pure thunder and my heart sprouting wings as we race down the sky. I sit astride African drums and ride that rhythm until my hands bruise and my soul sings and my body grooves and it feels like sex. A friend pointed out that it would appear that I have a thing for power between my legs. And he might have a point because it is not just the horses and the drums, oh no. I am here to tell you that that man sitting right over there uh, does indeed ride a Harley-Davidson, a 97 soft-tail custom that is my best friend and upon which he roars me to work from time to time. Which wouldn't be that unusual except for the fact that I am a bona fide, certified, dyed-in-the-wool, satisfied, versified, and filled with pride librarian. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the most highly tattooed member of the American Library Association at your service. I can find you a detailed history on anything from tarot to blues to 22s, research the difference in cooling systems in domestic and foreign motorcycles, tell you the Dewey Decimal number for the joy of sex, 613.9 apostrophe 6, and am a card-carrying member of the anarchist librarians. The revolution will be cataloged. <laughs> And don't bother telling me your sordid librarian fantasy because believe me, I have heard them all. <laughs> I know the one about shadowing the librarian through the stacks, hoping to catch a glimpse of rounded stocking calf as she mounts that ladder and slides that book into its slot on the tippy-top shelf. I am personally all too familiar with the one about the library after hours in which she slides off those glasses and reaches up for that bun. Well, the one in which she slides off her glasses anyway, and I have even been told a juicy one about the painful punishment for your overdue books. So the next time you find yourself staring across a reference desk, may I suggest that you take a closer look at the librarian on the other side. She might kick off those sensible shoes and trade them in for kick-ass boots, and when she kicks up, her heels come closing time. Under the protective cocoon of that gray suit or cardigan sweater, there just may be a body that knows its way around the rhythms of life and tells its story in glorious full color. But no matter what lies below the quiet surface, I can guarantee you that she will be more than meets the eye. Alrighty. Alrighty. Moving right along. Three, four, and five. We've got 
a 9.6 and a 9.7 and a 9.7 and a 9.8 and a 9.9. I'm going to scare her now. Watch. Watch the look on her face. Three minutes and... Seven seconds. There's no penalty there. 29.2 for Kerry. All right. Okay. Let's see. Oh, yeah. We still got two poets to go. That first round. Next up is Beth. I'm a woman in need of some religion. How about a little holy, holy, give me some hallelujah, one or two amens, and a soft salad. Um, so this is what you call praying. Me flat on my ass saying over and over, I want to believe, I want to see, give me some proof, God, reach down and save me. I want to be heaven's child. I want my body's beauty to pale beside my soul. I want gold angels naked and winged playing harps and singing. Teach me to lean on skin knees nightly and beg, plead to be told that I haven't accidentally finished the journey and this is where it ends. My father was an atheist. My mother's ex-Catholic, my ex-boyfriend's Jewish, my housemate a pagan, my girlfriend a Wiccan, my sister's agnostic, and the father of my child has Christ painted all over his body. I've read the Bible, old and new, the Torah, the Koran. I've studied Buddha, Allah, Satan, Krishna, Jehovah, Jesus, and Zeus, but I don't know how to believe in unicorns and minotaurs, the Easter bunny, dinosaurs, the rainbow, the pot of gold. I do miss the tooth fairy, though. I so desperately wanted faith in those wings, that wand. I used to wish on stars, birthday candles, cars with one headlight, 11-11 jinx, and kamikaze eyelashes. I quit when they stopped coming true. Maybe I'd used all my wishes, run the well dry, and at age 14, standing beneath the full moon, singling out the shiniest star, wishing my father out of a coma, my wishes ran out. But I believed in the monster under my bed. The witch in my basement, I believed in Thor. My dad was a warlock, and I believed he was 42 for 10 years in a row. <laughs> Suddenly, he was 65. Suddenly, closer to death, he didn't want to get dressed anymore. Stopped bathing, wore dandruff, eczema, and shit stains, wandering the neighborhood like an escaped mental patient. Strangers, neighbors called on the phone. Everyone knew the naked man's house. Quick, get him back inside. The truth was too gross to hide. They didn't want to see, didn't want to know what God does to those who lose their faith. And, and this is what I call praying. Me flat on my ass, saying over and over, I want to believe, I want to see, give me some proof, God, reach down and save me, or am I too faithless? I'm no one to believe, a legend, a bedtime story, the tooth fairy mommy told of, and weren't we all waiting Teeth tucked under our pillows, holding our breath, eyelids fluttering in anticipation, not of the quarters, but of the wings. Okay, judges. Come on, judges. Thank you all. We've got a 9.3 and a 9.6 and a 9.7 
and a 9.7, and a 9.8. And the time was three minutes exactly. Twenty-nine point zero for Beth. Right on, right on. Okay, let's pull it up in the first round. I gotta, I gotta ask everybody real quick. I know, I'm not. It's not over. I, I didn't forget anybody. I know what I'm doing. You guys want to take a break after the first round or not? Okay, that's all I wanted to know. Don, you're up. I'm asking God to bless me with a tongue that speaks immortal words. Not like the God-fearing religious fanatics who raised me right. Convinced me that giving my parents and six days a week to the church were my duties as a 12-year-old child. Who taught me to abide the pain and intolerance of a father whose favorite conversation involved his fist. They explained that honesty was synonymous with accusation and you can't get a fair trial here either. Who showed me the way to get to heaven was to ignore the voices of the children. And while at devotions at camp, we were learning about turning the cheek, and I asked why my father hit me. My answer hidden behind a flag of salvation and forgiveness, I understood turning away and closing eyes. When my best friend at 14, a small-town redneck girl, family didn't give a damn, church expected less, was left with no direction, no support. She was an unwanted, I mean unwed mother. And that's the way the family is, darling. But blind to the sins of the Father, we're doomed to repeat that I'm begging God to bless me with a tongue that speaks immortal words because I want to take you to the point of meditation where the spirit soars free, where the poor woman gives her last dime, where Boaz loves Ruth, where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, where suffer the little children to come unto me, and I will tell them that I have misled myself on two hits and a trip to the moon. I have been on a carnival ride trapped in a steel cage trying to escape words that have flowed from canyons of anger, hurting those I love the most. I have sold the fantasy of me for a dollar until my heart cried the tears my eyes wouldn't shed. And I will sit quietly and breathe deeply and speak of bonfires and kissing synchronicity under thunder and moonlight, of drinking with the woman I love to help her forget the pain of loss, of passion that has lasted years and love that left with the season. I will tell them about the time that I found Jesus on a dead lot and all he had to offer was all I needed. Because it's the hand flip, sand slip of reality where you are the moment you realize the purest love resides in the hearts of the ones that make us want to look away. And these are our sacred duty to love with no end. And so I'm asking God to bless me with a tongue that speaks immortal words. <laughs> okay. Judges. We've got a nine point two. And a nine point four and a nine point eight and a nine point nine and a ten. Two minutes twenty seconds. Twenty-nine point one for dawn. All right, give it up. That was it for the first round. I wish we could take two teams. I really wish we could take two teams. We can't take two teams, so we got to get it down to four somehow. So we're gonna drop two, and then uh, we're gonna bring uh, the top six back up here for round two, and they're gonna, you know, kick the hell out of each other, poetically speaking, in about ten minutes.
This is Slam Palm the Musical, and I have been waiting for this moment. This one whining, self-defining, levy-facing, trans-embracing, tans-shoelacing. All my life been waiting to give the world my single, solitary, beautiful, and redundant, self-masturbatory self! Because this is Slam Palm the Musical. And we will dance and sway and smile and sway and dance and sway and smile and sway and dance, dance, dance our gay little hearts into the devious arms of a legion of fag-hag posers waiting backstage to convert us. But are you ready for Slam Palm the Musical? Are you ready to wait up all night for tickets to its blank first effervescence? Inspire us! Bathe us in your tasty bad acting, reminding us all that our mediocre lives aren't half as pathetic as the ten weeks you took to rehearse and stage Slam Palm the Musical. Now, Slam Palm the Musical is as common as Coke, and everyone can recite every banal line of its three-hour score. In fact, it's not even referred to Slam Palm the Musical any longer, but rather Spit'em, the main event. And even if you haven't seen a musical in quite some time, you will see Spit'em, the main event, because music is important. Like, you are important, like the first time you walked out of Spit'em. But oh my god, I'm so nervous right now. I just have to say that my favorite dance number is Children Shouldn't Play With Sarcasm as well as don't take me like a ghost and put me in your nightmare. <laughs> and I just love the way that Spitem is so much more than the kind of theater of the cruel that Archo imagined when he inspired Slam Paul in the musical to be written by Bobby Joe McPherson III. <clears throat> and don't you think musicals are just like sex? No! <laughs> <laughs> And all I can think about now is singing songs from Spit'em at Saturday morning and Thursday night karaoke. I just love how Spit'em is so much more than real life. It just makes me feel alive and free and like a laughing little girl again. And forgiven and released and loved and reclaimed when they sing the I Want song and everyone gets on stage and tells everyone else who isn't listening because they're too busy singing and dancing and smiling and swaying about what they want. But I tell them anyway what I want. If ever I have wanted anything to want, I have wanted this singular explosion of everlasting somethingness to never, ever, never end. And ten years from now, when you paw through your neighbor's garage sale floor for a fate of commemorative spit on tour t-shirt, while the local homeschool association is reviving the royalty-free only donation-based production of spit while a junior high chorale instructor fearlessly writes his own finale to include a 50-piece marching band and a 10-minute mime solo, while Bobby Joe McPherson III rise in a sweaty rehab center, clawing his way towards sobriety inch by angry inch, being forced to watch John Tesh playing Slam live at Leadville, Colorado. Don't give in to the sham. We'll always love our jam. For one brief shining moment that was known as Slam Poem the Musical. God damn right. All right, judges. What did you guys think? We've got one, we've got two, we've got three, we've got four, we've got five. We've got a 9.6, a 9.7, a 9.9, .9, a 10, and a 10. Woo! And time? Three minutes, three seconds. All right. A 29.6 for Greg. All right. Woo! All right, guys. Welcome to the stage. Don, you ready, Don? Give her a big round of applause, guys. Come on up here. I'm walking surrounded by the solemn medicine of time, teaching me patience that reveals my phobias, left to unravel the confusion of a minefield mindscape, left alone with my thoughts of escape. I contemplate the rationale behind revelations, the mystery thickening like my skin, rough with the calloused recognition of my lies, enforcing my insecurity as I try to understand the contentment of comfort, staying instead of leaving. I seem to have lost my idea of home. 
when self-destruction is dangerously close, when I'm wearing pastel but I feel like black leather, a kissing bandit, I've tied myself to the tracks, the imprint of rails on my back, and I think I secretly revel in shades of mediocrity. Let someone else be the next Joni Mitchell. My bed is warm, the day is sad, and the words are not wrong, just never said. Because on this journey, traveling sideways, I close my eyes and reach for the silver-edged tongue, lashing my legs as I walk towards the light, blinding me like Saul turned Paul in the sands of Damascus. I turn away from safety, the virus of stagnation. I need to eliminate the recurring theme of undermining my respect, reflects the image of my own deception and runs me ragged, trying to deny that this is the truth. I'm a spinning top in the middle of a cliff drop with the realization that crashing is inevitable until I learn to fly. And out of scattered remnants of broken self-promises, I will rise and reach for my pen, allow release to come, free myself from the cycle, from these chains of disappointing memories, of failure cursing me, because like a bad trip, it's all in my head. I need to transcend my belief in a quick fix, break through the barriers of my emotions running rampant, carving out the path of most resistance, a chasm left after the glacier melts. I will stand firm on crooked ground. I have transformed the trepidation of potential affliction into dynamic animation. I will become the butterfly, the wind my companion. I will drink nectar and spread passion like wildflowers. I will run naked through a sunflower patch at sunrise and giggle uncontrollably at the sight of my pale ass jiggling to the rhythms of nature's primal dance as I strip away the layers of scales I should have shed long ago, the tears I should have left far behind, use like a crutch to cripple my intensity, keep my feet on the ground, my eyes refusing to see. I will rise above my weaknesses and deny my assumption of defeat. I will soar gracefully, land peacefully, and live the dream of a child knowing that I I can be anything I want to when I grow up. All right, judges. Let's see what you got. We got one, two, three. Some of them are being pokey. We have got a 9.4, a 9.8, a 9.9, a 10, and a 10. Woo! Give it up for Dawn, guys. All right. For a score of 29.7. All right. Woo. All right. Next up to the stage, we have Beth. Square tobacco smudged fingertips grip a hip bone too big for its skin, yellow as a sweet potato pie. The other hand feeds the baby, cooks dinner, wipes the sweat from the green cleavage of her crabapple breasts, inflating with each suck of the cigarette, clenched between teeth as hard as walnut shells, cracked like the beer bottles, smashed on the cement out back and brown as the bruises beneath her unfocused eyes, like black-eyed peas glazed with butter. Her mama made dinner every night, started cooking at noon, didn't stop till her second husband came home from the fields, late every time, unlaced his thick mud-painted boots, peeled back each sock and sat down to supper, picking his teeth with dirt-lined nails, swallowing whiskey straight from the bottle to cover the scent of the teenage girl he'd been screwing in the shed. Ma was 33 with six kids and no paying job. Her husband didn't love her, but she still mashed the potatoes and boiled the grits. Sometimes he hit her, but Ma had never learned to drive, so she never left him. Hands flat and dry as polyester sheets pack a bag of diapers, jeans, and toothbrush. Slam the door the way he slams his bottle on the table after dinner, belches long and low like a zipper opening when he shoves her down and pumps her like gasoline. His leering mouth split like the vinyl seats of the pickup, the tongue sliding over his lips, smacking like the gravel snapping on the windshield as she backs away from the house. Her hair as long as a highway and her mouth, a radio, turned up all the way. Yeah. 
What did you guys think? I got one. I got two. I got three, four, and five. We've got a 9.5, a 9.8, a 9.8, a 10, and a 10. Woo! All right, we throw out the high, we throw out the low, and we get a score of, gotta love technology, a 29.6 for Beth. Give her a round of applause, guys. Woo! All right, the magic list says that Carrie's coming up next. Come on up here! There you were all of a sudden. Like some half-remembered bad dream of showing up late for a final exam I hadn't studied for. So I've got the wrong answers, wrong ideas, wrong opinions, wrong image, wrong everything. But you are, are apparently oblivious to the red pen marks you left on my life because now it's, hey, how am I? Fine. Busy. What have I been up to? Work. School in Detroit. Oh, I'm in your neck of the concrete woods a lot. Why don't I let you wine me and dine me? Wouldn't work. Too busy. How's your law firm? Your son? And I don't know why I was so starched and polite. Instead of letting you in on all of the living I have been up to. And the real reasons I don't have time to put myself through the pointlessness of seeing you again. Like, I got a new man, you see. Going on a year now who gives the way I used to give to you, but leaves himself intact the way I didn't and takes nothing about me for granted and at half his best, he's twice the part you were in. Did I mention he rides a Harley? Yeah. He lets it rumble in third because that's what makes my thighs sing and we tear up the night in a growling prowl that would make the leather-lined sterility of your Volvo shudder. <laughs> but you know, that's not quite right. Not exactly what I want to say. Start again. How am I? What have I been up to? <laughs> Let me really tell you. You know the words and the rhythms that burrow themselves in the core of me that you could never wrap your brain around and would make me itch when I spent too much time in your suburban cage? Well, I've been wallowing in them, reintroducing myself to the ink-stained woman I was meant to be, and I've got whole shelves of velvet iron women showing me the way. Piercy has been unteaching me to not speak, and I have begun all over again, torrents of first-person singular flowing from my loosened tongue. These hips you always said were too big? <laughs> I've been paying homage to them with Clifton. Letting their big, free, rolling ways make men spin like a top. I've been painting my toenails menstrual red and dancing tight tangos with Cisneros, flashing silver bangles and stiletto smiles, fiercely proud to be a loose woman. Beware, honey. Angelo has been lifting my chin and my eyes, reminding me to still and always rise phenomenally and where my secret lies. And sugar, it ain't where you think. So no, you may not take me to dinner the next time I'm in Detroit, because as you can see, I am terribly busy. But it is not with work, and it is not with school. I am busy finding the soul I set aside, and I have no time for someone who helped me bury it. My dance card is so full now that there is barely enough room for the verses I scribble madly in its margins, but maybe there is just one name on it, and it is mine. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, judges. Let's see what we got. I got one. I got two. I got three, four. Lem's being slow. Okay. We have a 9.6. A 9.5. A 9.8. A 10. And a 10. Woo! Give her a big round of applause, guys. What do we have for time? 
309. Got right in there. <laughs> All right. A 29.4 for Carey. Give her a red round of applause. All right, Julian, you ready? Get up here! Dear brother, it's been such a long time since we've talked, five years I'd say, maybe even more, I'm not counting. I'm writing to you because I am sick. I'm sick of people flaunting their lies like Andy Warhol once said, licking his mother's feet because she said so. I'm sick of the children with their faces pressed against the glass, searching, yearning, hoping for a life outside of the dusty cookie jar from which they blindly attempt to extract their moral cookie crumbs again and again. And again, so let's go to Vegas. Screw Midwestern conservatism, because I can and I have, for I've become that medieval adulteress, long blonde hair dripping with a lover's blood, condemning a society which brands her profane prophecies on her pale white forehead, excreting with long greasy forceps her God within, again and again. And brother, I surround myself now with the historic poets whispering their odes of immortality, systematically swirling in 16 millimeter techno color. Color me, color you, colors flowing into the deep dark river of my mind. So let's go to Vegas, because beauty is as beauty does, they say. And Vegas is such a beautiful place to be beautiful where the legions of courtroom assholes swallow their antidepressant job applications, their name, date, sign on the dotted line, refugees, death by death, step by step, pacing themselves in the zones of their forgotten ideals, right again, left again, right again. So brother, please go to Vegas with me, that ultimate city of bliss, the barbed wire satin threads of lust weaving women in fairy tales of nakedness, that unkosher seduction of a body that everybody dreams of. Where the whores breed like commercial fags invading primetime television infomercials. And brother, I have news for you. I'm not gay anymore because I don't wear DNKY and stuff Kleenex in my pants to make my package look bigger. I can't do this anymore. I lost the liver for it years ago. So I want to go to that place where the corner boys parade through their sexual innocence, marching in honor of Glenn Gould. And the losers alienated in high school gather for their annual Dorks Before, Dorks No More convention at the plaza. And that antisocial body bipolar drag queen huddles in the corner of a damp, darkened casino, weeping, so beautiful, so solitary, reminding me of that night that you cried, and you cried because you realized it wasn't the Sandman visiting you, touching you, sprinkling his magic dust as you slowly fall asleep. And brother, I am standing in front of you today naked, screaming, I too have woken up with the Sandman's dust in my eyes, blinding me from any sight of what they call normality. So stop this bullshit and understand for one brief, solitary moment that I never wanted you. So what do you say, bro? Let's go to Vegas. All right. I got one. I got two, three, four, and five. I've got a 9.4, a 9.8, a 9.8, a 10, and a 10. Woo! Give a big round of applause. To all the performers, the host apologizes for being such a genetic freak. I'll keep the mic down from now on. Really sorry, guys. A 29.6 for Julian. Give a big round of applause, guys. All right. Next up, Todd Bannon. Come on up here, Todd. I like to watch people interacting. I like to observe men and women trying to get laid without seeming to want to get laid. 
I like to watch. There were two men and three women, the redhead with the red dress like the tall guy with the blue shirt. The married woman was just having fun, teasing a threesome fantasy. They danced with hands and lips and torsos. They danced like lovers, the three of them. But the last girl, the skinny blonde, she liked the guy with the sweater vest. I was dumbfounded. I was stunned. I could not believe my eyes. The pretty blonde liked the guy with the sweater vest. She sat in his lap and let him stroke her long, thick hair. She liked the sweater vest. There was a time when I was out there looking, the sweater vest would guarantee to keep the girls away. The sweater vest is a babe repellent. No man looking would dare wear the sweater vest to a bar. And I was 12 and wore the sweater vest my mom bought for me to school, and I came home with a black guy and a swollen lip. I learned at the end of a fist that the sweater vest is taboo. The sweater vest is everything a boy is not supposed to be. It is clean and goes to church, earns pinched cheeks from ants, proclaiming cuteness is the opposite of ripped jeans, t-shirts, and baseball caps. I learned at the end of a fist, and I vowed never to wear the sweater vest again. But this man never learned about the sweater vest. This man was wearing the sweater vest, and he was two smooth lines and three soft touches away from taking this woman home with him. I wanted to kick his ass. I wanted to teach him about the sweater vest. He had to learn what I had learned. The sweater vest must go. There is a time just before closing, just before the band plays their final cover, there is a time when a man will take a woman home with him or stay to fight the other men. The sweater vest was walking out the door with this woman on his arm. Stop, I screamed. Stop, I need to know. And the sweater vest stopped. And the woman looked at me with those blue eyes that a moment ago had been removing the sweater vest from this man. She looked at me and whispered, what? I need to know, do you like the sweater vest? Do you like this man for the sweater vest or despite the sweater vest? Are you turned on by the sweater vest? I need to know. And she looked at me again with those same blue eyes that would shortly be watching the sweater vest fall to the floor. She looked at me and laughed. The sweater vest has nothing to do with it. All right. What did you guys think? I got one, two, three, four, five. I got a 9.3, I got a 9.6, I got a 9.9, .9, a 10 and a 10. Woo! Todd, Todd. I've got a sweater vest. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with anything. All right. Hey, 29.5 for Todd. Give him a big round of applause. All right. Last poet. Is he ready? Dan Stevens, get up here. This is called No Fucking Poets. When I die, I want them to name a strip mall after me. The Dan Stevens Memorial Shopping Center. With a blockbuster in between Sofro Fabrics and Big Lots, I want a Salvation Army surplus store and a Goodwill with an 87-year-old great-grandmother behind the world's largest costume jewelry counter. I want an arcade with one air hockey table and three pinball machines, Star Wars, Star Trek, and Barbarella. I want 90 decibels of disco music pumping through 120 stacks of outdoor speakers all day long and a freestanding Microsoft corporate office in the middle of the parking lot that would be ceremonially burned to the ground every three months complete with drumming and chanting at a pirate TV station to broadcast it live on MSNBC. I want big, flashing neon lights day and night over the 24-hour Elvis Presley Superfan Museum and gift shop where the memorabilia comes from Elvis' disciples rather than Elvis himself. You see, that's how you get to know the king. You examine his fans. There'd be eight by ten glossies of bucktooth bleach, blonde inbred, trailer park housewives, leaning against Mary Kay Cadillacs and tube tops and hot pants set neatly in glass cases. There'd be perfumed love me tender letters from teary-eyed teeny boppers on faded pink stationary wallpaper in the ladies' room and leopard print shag on the throne in the men's room. There'd be a sign above the counter that read, other preferred shopping establishment of 
Elvis impersonators, local 127, and a full bust of Colonel Parker over the door. I want a music store where no one can play an instrument. Wouldn't that be nice? Where they refuse to order the top 20 singles of the week and the sales techniques are based on which album covers the coolest. I want a convenience store that sells Orange Crush, Shasta, and Red, White, and Blue, but won't ever stock Budweiser. And I want a Cracker Barrel that only hires fags. I'm talking aging Latino drag queens with bad wigs and makeup. And on the very end, I want a coffee shop. Not a coffee house, mind you, a coffee shop. No cappuccinos, no mochas, no biscotti, no ginseng tea, a place where you can order a cheeseburger and fries with a chocolate mountain cherry cheesecake for $2.99, and the coffee's free. No stage, no mics, and no fucking poets. I got one. Got two, three, four, and five. I got a 9.6, a 9.9, a 9.9, a 10, and a 10. Woo! All right. We throw out the high, we throw out the low. The score is pretty easy at this point. A 29.8 for Dan Stevens. Give him a big round of applause. Give everybody a big round of applause, guys. All right, we'll do some quick calculations. Stay put. Okay, one at a time, I want our four qualifiers for the year 2000 Kalamazoo Poetry Slam team to come up here and get their wonderful, amazing, beautiful trophy. Dan Stevens, come on up here! Carrie, come on up here! Dawn, come on up here! Come on up here! Give these guys a big round of applause! Each and every one of these folks will be going to Providence, Rhode Island for the National Poetry Slam! And they already broke one of their trophies. Okay, give everybody who performed tonight a big round of applause. Everybody did great. Give yourselves a round of applause. It's an amazing crowd tonight. This is probably the biggest one we've had yet here at Craft Brown. All right. We will resume our weekly shows next week. With our open mic, the slam will be on the second Tuesday. And thank you guys for coming out. It's been a great year, and it's going to be another one next year. All right, see you guys. Have a good night. Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. <laughs>